Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your host, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey, folks. Welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And Father Shane, the leaves are changing. It's yes. getting a little cool fall and brisk in the air. out. And fall falls in the air. I have to make Got a... Got your pumpkin spice ready? Well, I was about to make a... Um, a confession here on the podcast for all of our okay. listeners. I've been known to probably criticize, um, you know, that, that, that population that's pretty abundant in Northwest Iowa of, um, of Caucasian young females who might, you know, frequent, um, who might frequent a Starbucks, get a pumpkin spice latte when fall hits. It's still 90 degrees out, but they have a scarf on already. You know, some might call maybe perhaps basic. I, and I might have, I might have um, accused some of my friends and colleagues and folks of being a little, little basic around this time of year when the fall kind of festivities come about. Um, I need to confess that the other day in the afternoon, it was, a, it was just, it must've just been the crispness in the air. Might've seen a couple leaves fall that, I caved, Father Shane, and I... You got into the season, didn't I, you, Father? I found the reason Your for the season. Your straight black coffee just just couldn't hold it up to the changes could, yeah, of the times, it, it huh? Couldn't. So I, I caved, and I got a just a, just a small a pumpkin spice latte, a PSL, if you will, and I enjoyed it. it Too many of our listeners who have been offended by Father Cody's <laughs> jabs or shots at their coffee preferences in the past... On behalf of Outcast Catholic, we extend a sincere apology. <laughs> yeah, you enjoy your seasonal flavors. <laughs> yeah, the highly caffeinated, highly I, sugared flavors. Exactly, highly sugared is right. That's why I got the little, the little short, just the very small, very tiny little, uh, little latte. But it's true. Um, yeah. So, anyways, falls in the air, and I, I do love it. I love autumn. I love fall. Um, probably because I just sweat a lot and wearing clerics all the time. So it's nice, but it's not so hot, and it's kind of nice right. and cool outside but along with along with the fall comes homecoming you know mm, homecoming with, we don't have homecoming in seminary life here you don't have that yeah <laughs> because no, we do have the intramural you know uh, soccer and you know soccer no, league that's and basketball true. league that's, that's true and those, we don't those, have a homecoming dance in seminary no but seminary does have and you wait for it father shane i know we've talked about it uh before but not here but the halloween party is the we're, spot we're coming back to that. halloween we're gonna gown. come back to it in a future episode oh Stay we tuned. will have to because well we have to you're gonna have to process and, and try not to cry because you made fun of so much on the halloween they've party. already begun their impersonation oh, i'm it's sure of course they have yes. and i don't worry i've been feeding direct lines into my contacts in the seminary to give them the best impersonations good just kidding i haven't done that um not yet Halloween, the Halloween party at Kendrick Glenn in seminary is wonderful where a bunch of uh, spoof skits and stuff happen and great time. Um, Roasting the faculty. It, primarily so. Basically, yeah. yes. And I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And have I personally impersonated Father Jim Mason at pretty much every single year? Maybe. Maybe not. Not saying, not saying I, yes, not uh, saying yeah, no. I don't know. Just maybe happens every it year. Could, probably did, <laughs> and it will. And now, Father Shane Demon, you are in the spot. <laughs> <laughs> the spotlight, if you will, of yeah, being it's already happening. So I'm excited. Um, that'd be wonderful. It is. It is a homecoming week as as we're recording this episode. We'll be past it a, a little bit, but um, one of the just venerable traditions of homecoming in many schools, um, in my high school was, but especially now I'm seeing in Bishop Heelan, is the legendary powder puff football game. 
We need a sound effect to introduce a powder puff football game. I'm, I'm sorry, not sure what I'm that sorry, is. Excuse me, excuse me. But um, I think it's I worthy think probably of a, sound a powder effect. puff football game. Is that close? Well, I wouldn't. Sad I wouldn't trombone. do that. I would have done the so. other harp one. Like the mist, the mythical actually, powder and puff you know what's you know what's perfect that about that the powder puff game, <laughs> the little button on the soundboard is pink, which there you is go. just spot on. Gosh, there you go. I, folks, I'm still learning how to use all this stuff. Father Shane kind of gave me the reins, and I'm I feel like a kind of a noob here. But powder puff football game, everybody, welcome, welcome. It was actually a lot of fun, and it ended with Father Shane. Uh, wow, quite the quite the toss up. So the junior class, they were ahead by um, just one one point. Um, and the senior and the junior class thought they won. They're cheering. Uh, people are rushing the field. They're jumping up and down. <sighs> then the ref, Fosty, he makes the call Fosty and do? says that no, in fact, the juniors did not win. So they thought that they blocked the field goal that the seniors are trying to kick. So what are they going to do? The seniors get a kick again. They get the field goal. They win. So then, Ooh. of course, the seniors stormed the field, and it was a big Spicy. dramatic thing. Yeah, it was very, very. Very spicy, lots of tension. <laughs> yeah. To any of our listeners who are not quite sure what a powerful football game is, uh, obviously American football is a big pastime in the fall here, a guy's sport traditionally. And uh, when if you're listening to play, Outcast Catholic and you don't know what a powerful football game is, we do have some international listeners. Oh, sure. Where, where's we our, do. Yeah, we got our award. We do what have, was that for our Switzerland listeners or whatever? We have we have listeners in Asia. We have at least one down in Argentina. The one. I'm not sure how many more. They haven't, they haven't <laughs> written into us. But if you don't know a powder right. football game, it's a fun exhibition game with girls versus girls teams playing football. Yes. Uh, usually, you know, flag football, not full contact tackle. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> no, it it's is. It's a lot of fun. And lest we banter about this the entire time, I'll just say one last thing. My favorite part is to watch, because of course, it's kind of funny. It's like girls who don't really know how to play football are trying to play football with each other. Some of them are quite athletic and they're really good. My favorite thing is to watch the boys who have who have absolutely no idea how to coach Yes, or just football players. They, they stand not on the sidelines. They're like well into the field and they just scream yeah. and point. And just expect, to hold it together. yeah, they expect things. They also they scream and point, try to hold it together, and they use exclusive football jargon that none of the girls know. So they're just right. screaming, pointing, yelling like things that they have no idea about, and expecting results. <laughs> right, <laughs> doesn't work. Right, that's good. Father Shane, you know we we try to come back to these different outcasts. Everybody's like, "Whoa, what a smooth segue!" <laughs> so smooth. Oh, so smooth. We try to return to these outcast topics, right? We're trying to move around interesting topics of conversation, things that we experience in our priesthood and our ministry, um, questions that might be on the minds and hearts of many people. While in the same time, coming back to this kind of Midwest context in which we're trying to speak into, right? You mm-hmm. know, one thing I've experienced, and I just want to preface this with this: this is in no way pointing fingers at any. Um, anybody in particular, any communities, because it's so, um, yeah, just a prevalent reality across, across the Midwest, across the, the country in the world, right? Is that compared to many Protestant denominations, many Protestant churches who are a grassroots experience of hierarchy and hire their own pastors, mm-hmm. parishes, parish communities in the United States of America, across the entire world in the Catholic church, right? They receive a pastor. They receive a pastor, a priest who's been assigned to them, Right through the help of the personnel board, through the bishop, who is the head shepherd and the pastor of the diocese, who's entrusting his priests 
who he has ordained or his successors have ordained to join him in the ministry, this one ministry of ministering the sacraments and the life of the church to the people of the area, to the people of the diocese, right? So the main pastor, the head pastor, so important to remember, is the bishop, right? That's why he's got the crozier that looks like a shepherd's, you know, crook, hook or whatever, Mm-hmm. The mitre, right? He's the one who's the head shepherd. Uh, because we can't all drive to our cathedrals and we can't all pack into a cathedral in our diocese, that's why we have parish churches, right? However, because we live in like a predominantly Protestant country, we see the model of, of churches so often as, um, yeah, a grassroots experience, like I just mentioned, where the, the, the parishioners themselves, an elders board, for example, they will put out a search committee and they'll try to hire a, a pastor, right? My, my friend at a Baptist church, they're in the process of trying to hire a youth pastor. So it's entrusted to the elders of that community who've been raised there, who've kind of, you know, take the responsibility to find their pastor. The nice thing about that is that you can choose whoever you want. And the nice thing about that is you can fire them whenever you want, right? Mm-hmm. That happens in Protestant circles all the time. So guys come out of a Protestant seminary and they're kind of free, they're, you know, they're kind of like a, a free agent for a while looking for somebody to pick them up in different expressions of the, of the Christian faith, different ways. Not so with with the church, right? We hey. as priests were sponsored through our whole time in seminary. A lot of people don't realize this, that we approached first the diocese. We were accepted as seminarians through, as I know a little bit more intimately now as vocation director, a pretty lengthy process of application. And Father Shane now in the seminary, you know that then after you've been accepted by a diocese, you're then, you know, you apply to a seminary and then you're accepted by the seminary. Every year through your work as, as the vice rector and the team of um, formation advisors, right? Uh, an evaluation or a recommendation is given by the seminary through the vocation director, director of seminarians to the bishop to say, yes, this man, you know, should, should continue on discerning whether God is calling him to the priesthood. Ecclesial, ecclesiastical discernment and personal discernment that goes into discerning the priesthood. And then once that man is ordained, he's ordained for that diocese for the rest of his life, and, and, unless something like your situation where you're invited for a small time to go to a different archdiocese. To help out, we're ordained for this diocese and for the bishops mm-hmm. that we'll get, and, and they will um, they will assign us so that we can minister with them um, in the vineyard of the Lord, in the diocese. However, <laughs> here's the rub, right? People all over the place, people who've been Catholic their whole lives, they experience this often where they get a pastor who's difficult, right? They get a pastor who's unhelpful in their, in their faith, in their journey, a, a pastor who's a, a poor preacher, a poor liturgist, a pastor who's not very organized, not very organized with the finances, right? The pastor who's, who's difficult to, to work with, and as they look around and see their Protestant brothers and sisters, they might wonder, well, why can't we just fire this guy and get him out of here, right? Mm-hmm. And you might receive from other priests you talk to this common line of, well, you know, he's, he's all we have, or we, we don't have all these guys, you know, on standby any, anymore. Um, and if you, if you want the Eucharist, you need to just kind of put up with it. Well, I don't think that's satisfying. And then the other side of it is that it just turns into a lot of complaining. Right? So mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of lean into this question. We don't have definitive answers, but I think there's got to be something better than just saying, well, we got to throw up our hands because there's nothing else we can do. We just got to keep going to mass and, and just struggle through and just kind of grin and bear it. Um, or we should just kind of complain behind his back all the time or just simply leave the church, right? Because that mm-hmm. seems to be the easiest option. Before we kind of launch into any of that, any initial thoughts on, on the matter? Well, a couple of things come to mind. Good introduction, Father, to kind of what the problem is. People who just don't like their pastor. And that could be for a variety of reasons. You know, does the pastor just perhaps have a personality that doesn't click with you? Uh, Does the pastor have, you know, gifts and talents that are real strengths that perhaps you're not appreciating right now? 
Uh, that you might not pastor. even know about, right? Like certain right. ministries that they might do behind the scenes or something that you have no idea. Right. Um, does the pastor have per- perhaps a leadership style that maybe just rubs you the wrong way that is really addressing something that the bishop wants done right now? Perhaps even the Holy Spirit is prompting the pastor to address in his own prayer. And that just might not be your perceived uh, priority right now. Um, you know, might you also be operating just off of, of stereotypes or caricatures? You know, if you're sitting back in row 25 in the pews on Sunday at Mass, and Father's way up there and he's preaching maybe with a style or a, a liturgical, you know, a flavor that maybe you just don't care for, do you really know him? Have you sat down to have a meeting with him? You know, have you ever invited him out for a meal or invited into your home? Have you just shared a, c- a cup of coffee with him? Is there is there a vision and a capacity within this man that ha- perhaps you haven't even given a second chance to think about? And Father, as we're talking about this, this isn't meant to like promote clericalism. We're not trying to say that we as brother priests are, are just like, you know, almighty and that we've got it all figured out. I just think in charity, we deserve to at least give, every, give everyone a fair shot who's been put into a position of leadership and who knows that he's probably not going to be able to appease everybody. And sometimes he might be being asked by the church to make some really difficult decisions or lead people in a new way as prompted by the Holy Spirit in a spirit of renewal that others might be really resistant towards. And that can naturally just create tension anytime you're trying to bring about renewal or do something fresh uh, with new vigor in the life of a church. Uh, So yeah, there's going to be natural tensions. I think that's just part of being human. Um, But do we really give these men a, a fair look to say, what is it that God is bringing about in this man's gifts and talents? You know, St. Paul says, uh, not all our, our administrators, not all our evangelists are all you know called to be apostles, teachers, prophets. All these different gifts and talents that the, that the Holy Spirit instills within the church certainly is held within her shepherds. And they don't all have, the, we don't all have the same gifts and talents. And we bring our own natural personalities and dispositions to the office of shepherding. And not everyone appreciates that or, or can see maybe the rich bouquet uh, the bounty of gifts and talents that the church brings. And all of that is to, is to not even acknowledge the fact that this is still a man ordained. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like even if he has like the world's worst personality, even if he does things that you think are absolutely crippling your parish, uh, at the end of the day, even though he can still be growing, even though he can still be challenged, even though at times he might even have to be reprimanded, he is still ordained a priest of Jesus Christ who carries with him the power, the sacramental power to not only distribute the sacraments and administer that grace, but to go out and preach the gospel as charged by God. And his salvation is tied up deeply into that mission. And so to sit back and always criticize or to simply judge uh, are, uh, are the clergy on a worldly standard according to like, you know, what we would see and prefer for, uh, you know, the ideal leader uh, really misses some of the sacramental things that are going on within these ordained clerics. Father Shane, that was really helpful. Um, I have to make a comment because Father Taylor sent me a text and he said, your new filler word is right. We say right too much. So apparently we say absolutely too much and now right too much. So you know what I'm going to say, Father Taylor? I'm going to say what I'm going to say here is Father Shane's spot on. 
Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. It's That's a, our yeah, new it's phrase. It's a proper response. If that upsets Father Taylor, I don't know where we're going to go exactly. to Exactly. We have nothing. I'm so glad you, you went there because it really seems that there are two realities. Of course, we're body, soul, composite as human beings. And of course, we experience the world so often with this duplicity of our spiritual life, but then kind of like our practical, efficient human life that's at play. I'm so glad you brought that ecclesiastical reality of what the priesthood actually is and what pastors actually are, right? These aren't just CEOs of companies. These aren't just kind of like the, the chapter leader of the local Lions Club, like mm-hmm. who are just, you know, other men. I mean, our, our call has been to be configured to Jesus Christ, right? Now, that's not an, that's not an easy task, right? It's not an easy task to be a lay person. It's not an easy task to be married, right? Because Jesus said, in the world will find trouble, but take courage. He's conquered the world, right? So I think we need to first keep in mind, like, the spiritual reality that's present there. Like you said, that these brothers of ours have been ordained with the same ordination that the apostles received, right? Through the apostolic succession, the laying on of hands. And given the same mission, too, the same mission of Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but who are men, and we live in this in this world, right? So it seems like there are there can be a spiritual response from the laity, from the parishioners, right? And there can be a pra- kind of a practical, more human response. We have these different dimensions of formation in the seminary, spiritual, human, all these different things. That can be the same case in response and formation in the life of a parish as well. I think just like one brief thing to say about the spiritual reality is, I remember um, somebody speaking once, Oh, perhaps maybe questioning or a bit critical about a bishop or the pope or whoever it might be, and and the another priest responded and basically said, "Are you are you fasting weekly for the Holy Father?" And they oh no, they said you cannot make those comments unless you are at least fasting once a day or once a week for the Holy Father. Like mm-hmm. even then, you, you probably shouldn't be complaining about him. But like, are you actually engaging? as Jesus invited us to in prayer and fasting for the sake of this, of this individual, right? I think a beautiful ministry that's come about in the life of the church and parishes is what's called the seven sisters uh, ministry. It's very quiet. It's behind the scenes of seven women in a parish deciding to take these spiritual matters of the spiritual well-being, the well-being of their parish and their pastor into mind and praying intentionally every so often, once a week or whatever ends up being for their pastor, right? For renewal in his own priesthood, renewal in their parish, what I love about that is it doesn't just sink into the complaining, but it actually rises above that and invites the Lord into the midst of it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So whatever way that we can lean into our spiritual life, recognizing that, wow, even though this man, like just both of us have human failings that Jesus has called us, um, just like he's called every baptized person to be priest, prophet, and king, right? And to minister his presence wherever we're invited to in the world, that he's invited these men to be our pastor. Right, and we can receive that as gift. Well, we can only receive it as gift if we're open to what God's doing in our life, right? So there's this spiritual response. But I just like to kind of go go up, please, Father Shane. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna, in addition to the spiritual response, there's also the human response too. That's right? what I was getting. Yeah, exactly. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, we are not above reproach. Absolutely. You know, if <laughs> right, right, spot on, spot if, on. If you know, if your pastor's not a good preacher, well, how's he ever going to know that unless someone points that out to him to just say, you know, Father, you're really missing the mark. I'm not being fed here. You're rambling. The, the, the points you're making don't seem to be really integrated. I don't know how you're really reaching us. And what I often find you know? in preaching, even as a, as a brand new priest, right? And of course, like the joke is everybody loves the assistant because, you know, he doesn't have to make any big decisions and everybody right? hates the pastor because he does. 
I'm really grateful when people affirm affirm us for our preaching. It's it's helpful as you're a young preacher and you're learning what's what is helpful. But what what is pretty clear is people very um, seldomly feel the freedom to actually offer any criticism. Um, I received yeah. a little criticism from a homily that uh, one of the uh, retired, and I'm grateful, one of the retired um, sisters who just moved back to town at Briar Cliff, she said, Father, you know, you did a great job and you're, you're offering us a lot of stuff, but I didn't walk away with a lot of, like, what do I do with this? Like, mm-hmm. application in my life. And I was like, wow, it hurts. There's always a sting, you know, that we're not perfect and to recognize that in humility. But it was so helpful for, for her to just step up and say that, you know, for, for mm-hmm. a, a sister with a, who's heard a lot of homilies in her life, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to say, Father, I needed some application there. Yeah, and that, those critiques of homilies can be applied to uh, leadership, uh, kind of the overall, overall governance of the staff and the parish committees. It could be applied to how he's um, really just envisioning and taking uh, initiative to start new ministries to say, hey, Father, we're ready to, to follow you. The flock is here. Lead us somewhere, yeah. right? Do that, Father. Or, Father, you know, your policies are, are not really creating a sense of unity. Did you ever think about this segment of, and demographic of the, of the entire parish? Did you ever consider our history here with this, this, and this in this local community? Mm-hmm. All of those things are open for discussion. And it, when people, you know, in a spirit of false charity or false humility saying, well, I don't really want to upset Father, I would hate to critique an ordained minister. Well, we're, none of us are perfect, and we have to have the the freedom to have those conversations so that fruit might be born, and that we can actually just live as people in truth and freedom. Amen. Spot on. Um, friends, we keep pushing past this 20-minute mark, so we're sorry because we know that you love it. You love it. It's concise. Actually, nobody ever tells us that, but we just assume it's the case. Uh, <laughs> But yes, just as an encouragement, pray for your pastors. Um, we appreciate it. And do, in fact, like, yeah, invite us to that challenge because you are a member of the body of Christ. You share in our baptismal priesthood, right? And Jesus has entrusted us to be your priest, and he's entrusted you to be our parishioners, our people, right? And we're, we're called to lead each other to heaven. So, Father Shane, I'm grateful for your, uh, your thoughts as well. And uh, we'll keep praying for each other so we can get to heaven. Enjoy that pumpkin spice. Delicious. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.